Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It is great to be back, and as I said uh, just uh, earlier in the service, we are just under a month from kickoff Sunday. And uh, there's all sorts of things going into play. Uh, We are advertising and telling people about the services, and we want to encourage you to tell people about the services. We just came back from this amazing pilgrimage from Spain, and we're telling people about that and um, about how pilgrimage is an amazing way to engage uh, your faith as you stand in the places where thousands of other Christians have stood thousands of, for the last thousands of years. And I mean, it's amazing. And it's this a wonderful, wonderful thing. And as a matter of fact, we were talking about um, the pilgrimage to Spain in light of our next trip to Israel, which is coming up in March. And uh, I've been getting um, like marketing things from uh, marketing companies. And I get marketing things from uh, um, uh, marketing companies to advertise the church. And, you know, advertising is important. How you present yourself to the world is key. You know, I was asked, can you boil down your mission statement to a couple of sentences? Do we have a colorful logo and uh, a catchy jingle? And these are uh, things that not only companies think about, but also the church and uh, your rector think about. And I literally, um, I I was wondering what I was going to preach about today, and I got an email from a company which asked me, are we conveying what your church actually believes to the world in a way that people will remember? and in an accessible format for mobile phones. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I was like, well, this, and it triggered, this is, this is important, and this is what a lot of people are talking about. Church growth strategies, as they're called, and they're all the rage. And uh, then I come to a passage like this at the end of John chapter 6, and we read Jesus' church decline strategy. Uh, he says, uh, um, listen to the mission statement. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. This is one of the aspects, I think, that makes John's gospel so believable and so earthy and real. Because if church growth experts were writing John's gospel, they would have definitely cut this part out. Because if you read the rest of John's gospel, and we'll read it next week, uh, John tells us that the crowds, uh, they begin to leave. They begin to abandon him. Crowds were showing up for bread, no problem, you know. But when Jesus said he was the actual bread that came down from heaven, that he is the fulfillment of that mosaic miracle that happened in the book of Exodus, and then he drops that hard saying on them, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Well, as we read, the disciples around Jesus begin to argue, and they begin to abandon him. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. You know, for the Jews of Jesus' day, this was offensive because especially the idea of meat with blood and there was all sorts of kosher aspects involved in what Jesus is saying here that was totally offensive. Uh, For us, it's the pluralistic approach. You know, we we like to think that there are lots of ways to heaven and lots of accesses to God, uh, but um, uh, Jesus uh, is saying, no, this is exclusively me. And we're totally into Jesus the exorcist, and so are the crowds. We're totally into Jesus the miracle worker, who can take a little wine and some bread and some fish and uh, feed a crowd of 5,000. We're totally into that. But the Jesus who says, 
you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood exclusively to have eternal life and be raised on the last day. Well, that mission statement as it was then and still is today is a complete and total disaster. It's not going to sell on its own, is it? Now, what Jesus literally meant by this has been debated throughout the centuries in the church. And uh, there are a wide array of opinions um, and, uh, and thoughtful interpretations. In ten years, I would have, 10 years ago, I would have told you that mine was definitely right, and my sermon would have been all about how these other interpretations are wrong. But um, while it's not totally clear 100% what Jesus is pointing to, um, and whether he's pointing to the actual celebration of the Eucharist, that's where I lean, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Um, one thing is absolutely clear in this text, what Jesus is talking about. And that is his exclusive claim about who he is and you and me and the whole world's absolute and total need for him for salvation. And this ultimately is why Kickoff Sunday is so important. You know, we've got great programs and stuff like that, but this is where you will hear about the word of life. And this is where people can gather and receive the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood because the world needs it. And this is my first point. Jesus is making it absolutely clear as they head to the Passover in John's gospel, the absolute necessity of feeding by faith on his atonement for sin on the cross. As the great 19th century Anglican Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, once put it writing on this particular text, he said, unless a person's soul lays hold by faith on Christ's sacrifice of his body and blood as the only hope of their salvation, they have no title to or part in eternal life. The truth is, is that if there were 11 ways to God, we'd want 15. And if there were 15 ways to God, we'd want 30. And that's because we ultimately believe, and this is a human problem, not just Americans, but it's, it's really big in America, but this is a human problem. We believe religion and spirituality is about shedding our earthiness, purifying ourselves, and finding God. This is called the glory story. However, in this statement, Jesus is taking the concept of the Incarnation. What is that? The Incarnation is God taking upon flesh. God taking upon our earthiness. You see, myth is all about man reaching up towards God. But the Bible and the Scripture is all about God coming to you and entering into the muck of human existence in order to save it. Not you going to God, but God coming to you. And what Jesus is doing is taking this concept of the incarnation in real flesh, in real blood, and he's taking this concept to its highest pitch. You see, when we go looking for God and create ways to him, we tend to create spiritual abstractions. Spiritual abstractions. However, when you're talking about flesh, as Jesus is in our text, when you're talking about eating and drinking, something every human has and something every human has to do, you are getting down to the concrete. You are getting down to the earthiness of what it means to be a human. 
think about it. I've heard it said about paganism, and I actually saw it. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube over the summer, and, um, and I watched a documentary on voodoo, and it was really interesting in Santeria. But in voodoo and in most pagan religions, you have to feed your god. You know what I mean? They need chicken blood to live and be happy and a little bit of rum and some cigarettes, and uh, really that makes God happy. Um, but in Christianity, God feeds you. God feeds you, and he feeds you with all of his grace, and he feeds you with all of his mercy, and he feeds you with all of his love in bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. God is the protagonist in our relationship, and this is what Jesus is pointing to. Eating, drinking, everyone has to do it. And in this passage, Jesus is teaching us that as your God... He is not just simply interested in hanging around and making you feel better about yourself. Instead, he is the God who identifies with every fabric of your life. For he is the God who is the only food and the only drink that brings forgiveness of our sins, that brings life, and that ultimately brings salvation. And this is my second point. Do not... Let your religion become an abstraction. Because abstractions can't speak to your life when the rubber hits the road. Abstractions cannot speak to your life when you are diagnosed with a terminal illness. Abstractions cannot speak to your life when you're breaking up in a major relationship. Abstractions cannot speak to the suffering of your life. Christianity, though, is not an abstraction. There's a lot of folks who want to make it that way, but it is nothing but real. It's nothing but earthy. For Jesus is the God who abides in us and we in him. And he says how he does it, and it's not abstract. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And we abide in Jesus by faith and he abides in us in our eating and drinking his body and blood, feasting on the fruits of his sacrifice and keeping the feast Sunday after Sunday. Alleluia. This passage, there's no shadow of a doubt about it, is ultimately intended to thrust us, because Jesus and the disciples are headed there. It's intended to thrust us to Jerusalem and thrust us to the Passover dinner. We're in an upper room with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus would take all the symbols of the Exodus, Israel's freedom from bondage and slavery in Egypt, and articulate that they find their fulfillment in him, in his saving us from the bondage of sin and death. Where on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them also, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood 
of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And you see, gathered around this table, as we hear those same words, my body given for you, my blood shed for you, you see, when those words filled with the Holy Spirit, what they do is is that they reveal, they give, they bestow, and they deliver to you in a tangible way, not an abstraction, but in a tangible way, not a feeling, not an emotion, but delivering to you in a tangible way the benefits of Jesus' life and death for you. So, how does this apply to you? Leave today. Leave behind today your spiritual abstractions. Leave them in the pew. And instead, bring your doubts today to this table. Bring all of your misgivings, your uncertainties. Bring also your sin and your brokenness and your lostness and your death. Bring it all to the Lord's table today. Bring all of you, your whole life, your fears, your anxieties. Bring them and let Jesus, the God who is real and is actually in this moment calling you, come to this table today. And let him feed you with his words. Let him feed you with bread and wine. Let him feed you with his body and blood. And this is my third point. Because these hard words spoken in Capernaum are fulfilled in Jesus' death upon the cross. His flesh offered as the perfect lamb. His blood poured out for you as wine. His life for our life his life for the life of the whole world. The meal of which Jesus hinted at in Capernaum and instituted the night of his betrayal. He gives us all here today in the meal of his cross and open tomb. And his death wins it and his resurrection clinches it. And he alone has the words of eternal life. And we trust these words for no other reason then he alone has risen from the dead. And even though it's a terrible marketing strategy, take Jesus at his words. This is my body. This is my blood. And with this food and drink, remember that he abides with you and you and him. And he will, no matter what happens when you leave this place today, he will raise you up on the last day. That's a gospel promise. And it's signed and sealed and delivered in his blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.